I'm Jana, the little sister. And I'm Jeff, her big brother. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry, a podcast about our favorite sport, baseball. This week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, we consider the effect of no season on players' careers. And we look at what staying home has done to the value of baseball cards. We love creating Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast each week and hope you're enjoying it as well. We'd love to hear from you. Email us, show at siblingrivalrybb.com or message us at any of our social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook at Sibling Rivalry BB and on Twitter at Sibling Rivalry BB without the A. Or check out our website, siblingrivalrybb.com for links to all those and more. Thanks again for listening. Tell a friend, rate us, follow us or subscribe to sibling rivalry baseball podcast on your favorite listening platform here are the latest srbb headlines the mlb draft will be held remotely on june 10th and includes the first round of 37 picks rob manford tells cnn he is optimistic about a 2020 season and that players with health concerns will not be forced to suit up 64 teams for Dream Bracket 2 are now set. The tournament begins today and runs through June 9th. Two teams per organization, three Negro League teams, and one team from the Montreal Expos. We bid farewell to Bob Watson, first black GM to win a World Series. Did that with the Yankees. Played 19 seasons primarily with the Astros. We also send out condolences to Starling Marte of the Diamondbacks, on the passing of his wife, Noelia. As we wait to see if we'll have a season, and it's a very real possibility we won't, we know the financial consequences no season will have on the players and the owners. But what about the effect on some players' pursuit of personal milestones and possibly the Hall of Fame? You know, there are several players out there that are chasing milestones. One in particular, when you're looking through Albert Pujols of the Angels, tops that list right because while he leads in the big categories currently he still probably wants to hit he's 656 on his home runs yep 656 so if you're shooting for 700 which is a number that i've heard connected i've never heard him say it but it's a number that obviously comes up the the lost season this lost season definitely hurts that he has two years on his contract if he doesn't play this one he has to figure out how to hit, you know, 40-some-odd home runs. Yeah, and he's also close to 700 doubles. With right. uh, He's currently sets at 661. And right, so that's – and that's maybe a little closer to doable. The question is, with everything, for all of these players, especially people like Pujols, the older guys, uh, or people that have had injury issues – Will this extra time off help them more than hurt them? Probably from an injury standpoint and a physical standpoint, it's probably going to help them as long as they're continuing to work out in that because they're not having to go the day-to-day. And so it could very well help him play another couple of years and hit those numbers. So he's going to have two more years that he's going to need probably to get there. This offseason, well, for any player, will have an effect on their total numbers. But when you're at the end trying to get there, trying to get the 2,100 RBIs, 700 doubles, like you said, and then the 700 home runs, honestly, I just want him to pass Alex Rodriguez on all of those 
because I don't like Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> well, and one thing I saw that was interesting, this is kind of one of those odd stats that I don't think players really think about, but pool halls is in the top five career sacrifice flies. And he is seven away from being in the top five and everyone that is in the top five currently are all in the hall of fame. So that bodes well for Albert. <laughs> right. I think, I think he's in. Yeah. I don't and think he needs the sacrifice flies, but it's just something to, he, I think he was probably in after his first 10 years with the Cardinals. If oh yeah. If he'd have left baseball right there, he'd have been in the hall of fame already. But, oh yeah. And you could see when they went and played the Cardinals, the reception that he received in St. Louis, which he should, you know, that's the kind of reception he should have received anyway. I mean, they love him there. Um, and right. he's done good things for the angels too. So yeah, good all around baseball guy. Oh yeah. Absolutely. 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 All right. Now so, one thing, I do want to mention, um, this is another one of those odd stats, but it's connected to a Hall of Famer, and I guess both future Hall of Famer and a Hall of Famer, is pool halls could be the first to ground into 400 double plays. And first, <laughs> the first, the guy that right now at the top of that board, Cal Rifkin Jr. with 350. Oh, wow. Yeah. Albert is at... 395 rapidly approaching. Yeah. So he's got these good, you know, the home runs and the doubles, and then he's got these kind of odd ones, but the odd ones are interesting because a lot of the guys are all in the hall of fame. You know, they're big name guys. Well, I guess had, you figure the more at bats you have, yeah, the sacrifice flies is kind of cool because you're still, you know, that's a productive stat. Mm -hmm, right. Double plays is kind of a dubious stat. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? That's a stat that even if they play a short season this year, I'm confident he can break that this season. <laughs> he could, well, then he'd be number one, and he'd knock Cal Ripken Jr. off the throne of, the, of I that stat. I wonder if they stop play. <laughs> Give him the that. ball from the top. <laughs> For grounding out, yeah. Well, they have to sanitize it first. The You know, another player talking primarily to start with the uh, angels and Dodgers is Clayton Kershaw. Yep. He is what about 12 years into his, into his career. Mm -hmm. He is shy of 200 wins. That would be the next milestone for him. He's what uh, 169 wins. So he's he working gets, on yeah. 200 working to get to like 2,500 strikeouts. Yeah, he's currently at 2,464. Right, so he he probably, he wouldn't have got there this season. He's not as dominant as he used to be. We don't know if this off time will assist him, especially with his back, because he's always had those, those back issues. Yeah. It, it definitely doesn't help him, though, as it looks like things are starting to kind of tail off for him a little bit, losing a whole season if he wants to hit those numbers. Right, yeah, if losing a whole season would be, I don't want to use the word detrimental, but that's the only word that comes up in my head. But as far as milestones, yeah, it puts a big dent in those numbers for him um, because he has had the back injuries. He has had the, you know, where he's been on the injured list. And then also too, even if there is a season, you know, how much is he going to pitch and 
what does the downtime that they had, how does that look when you get back on the field? So all of that comes into play, I think, definitely for him because of those those injuries that he's had. Other than that, when I looked at the Angels and the Dodgers, there really aren't, obviously, you know, players like Mike Trout, they're pursuing their career. We don't know what this year would have looked like for him. If everybody's back healthy, Anthony Rendon is now part of the lineup. How does having better protection or better hitters around him help? You figure it's pretty amazing that he, how much he's done just carrying the team by himself with a little bit of help here and there, but not like he could get this year. So obviously missing a whole year for any of these players, it's a problem. We'll talk more about how it'll affect players that are in contract years in a little bit. For the Dodgers are kind of in the same way. You've got so many young players that a lot of the, you know, Clayton Kershaw, he's he's hitting those milestone areas where you start looking, like we said, at 200 wins, 2,500 strikeouts, things like that. But there's not really, you know, Kenley Jansen's already got 300 saves. That's kind of a a magic number there. You're not going to get up like Mariano Rivera or Trevor Hoffman in the 600 save area. Even Francisco Rodriguez, who was a rookie with that 2002 Angels World Series team, is talking about a comeback because he wants to shoot for, he's got 400 and some odd saves. He wants to shoot for bigger numbers because he wants to put himself in Hall of Fame conversation. Yeah. The only one that you could, I guess, Dodger, when you think about milestones, because there are a lot of young players, is uh, Justin Turner. He's um, 17 17 hits away from having 1,000 hits. And he also is 22 RBIs uh, away from 500. And I don't know if he ever thought, with all the bouncing around he did, if he ever thought he would make those numbers for Justin Turner. I think that's an accomplishment in itself. Well, if you look, he really didn't get anything, any of those, any numbers that could help push him towards that till he got to the Dodgers anyway. Right. He's in the, uh, what would you call it? The hall of the decent, hall yeah. of the good, hall and of I good think, player. Yeah, I think he would agree with that. You know, he it makes you wonder if he'd have been, and, you know, not knowing as much about other than the stats of his earlier career. Mm-hmm. You know, how much of it was it him just not getting in and doing that? How much of it was, could you put on the team and say they just weren't really good at developing the talent? What if he'd have come to L.A. earlier? Yeah, it's a lot of what ifs, I think. Yeah, with him. I think that's the greatest thing about this game. A lot of what ifs, right? <laughs> yeah, lots. What if, Another- what if the Astros hadn't cheated in 2017? Ah, <laughs> We would have what had a World Series the Red parade. Sox hadn't cheated in 2018. We would have had a World Series parade. We'd have been we'd have been wearing <laughs> back-to-back World Series champion t-shirts right now. Yes. And yep. who's to say that had they won, that wouldn't have motivated them to try for the three-peat in 2019? Right. What if? What if? We could do a whole show on what, what if. if. Angels... <laughs> didn't trade off Mike Clevenger and Patrick Corbin early on. I want to throw out another Albert Pujols stat. And it's interesting because he has 142 errors and he needs eight to get to 150. Uh-huh. So I thought, well, who makes, who would top the list of the most errors in baseball? And that distinction goes to Herman Long 
He had 1,096 errors, 1,096 errors. He was a shortstop, and he played most of his career for the Boston Bean Eaters. Nice. Who's so who, What name is, is up there that we would know that's got more than 150 errors? After I saw Herman Long, I had to do more research on Herman Long. <laughs> Just to find out who he was. Just to find out who he was. And then after I learned that he played for the Boston Bean Eaters, which is the greatest name. I mean, I don't think they should have the Red Sox. I should think they should be the Boston Bean Eaters. I had to learn more about Herman Long. We should all find some obscure player that's got a stat like that that's at the top and and go do a little research, learn a little more baseball history. Yep. That's a lot of errors over even over 13 seasons. Well, he played, How did he that play was, 13 he, seasons. <clears throat> he played 13 seasons with the Boston Bean Eaters. Before that, he played for the Kansas City Cowboys. He played for the Philadelphia Phillies and he played a year there here and there. So he had a longer <clears throat> career than just 13 years. Okay. Still like 16, Albert I think it was 16 Pujols. seasons. 16 seasons. See, that that makes it a little better. Still a lot of errors every year. Figure, Albert Pujols is eight away from 150. Yeah. And he's played almost 20 seasons now. He he distinguished himself. I, I wonder what his nickname was. The Flying Dutchman. I don't know that that's what his nickname should be. <laughs> he certainly didn't throw like a windmill. Flying Dutchman, that's what I think of is a windmill, but I don't know that that goes. I'm not sure why he was called the Flying Dutchman, but probably, yeah, looking probably through, Dutch, I'm uh, probably looking through the list, uh, there's all these guys that you're like, who, who is this? It isn't until you get to uh, 133 on the list, and that is Pee Wee Reese, and he had 407 errors. Wow. It's an interesting list if you go through because there's a lot of guys on here. There, here's a good name, too. Oyster Burns. He Ooh. was a right fielder, a shortstop, and a third baseman. But you could go on and on looking just that at the That sounds like a whole other list. show as well. It is. But <laughs> it's like you said before in another episode, you star, you find something and then you go down the rabbit hole. And that's what happened to me when I... I was like, oh, look, Albert Pujols, he just needs eight to get to 150 airs. So I had to find out who has the most. Who's, who's so the, the all-time Long. leader in errors? Yep. So learn something today. Absolutely. So when we looked at kind of just the Dodgers and the Angels and guys, obviously, like we said, everybody's affected in the career-wise as to how their numbers will come up. Some are less affected than others. Some other players around the league that are close to hitting some different milestones that definitely will be affected by a lost season or like Miguel Cabrera. I believe he's yeah. in the Hall of Fame. I don't think that he's, you know, he's got the triple crown. He's always been there. He's He's been a great player. He's a, a great baseball guy. His numbers are great, but I'm sure he wants to hit. He's 13 away from the 500 home run club. He's got 477 right now. I'm sorry, 23 away, not 13, 23 away from the 500 home run club. He's got a 1,694 RBI. So a couple of seasons, depending on how he hits and what he does, he could get to 2000 RBIs. Yeah. He's signed through 2023. So it's possible he's 38, but he has had 
these later years he's had the injuries that does not having a season definitely impacts those numbers. And he's 185 hits from having 3,000 hits. So right. And that's just another. about 23 double. He's 23 doubles from 600. So, so he's got a lot of those high stats. numbers. He's going to be going to be in there. The lost season means he doesn't get anything for this year. Another one I saw that uh, is close to some of the numbers, but is up there as well as like Robinson Cano. He's up there in his upper 30s. And, you know, he's got 562 doubles, 2,570 hits. Mm-hmm. He's just he's he's a two or three seasons away from from getting the 3000 hit mark yeah another guy that i think he kind of he's a dominant pitcher but he flies under the radar and maybe it's because he plays for the nationals but that's max scherzer and he's 308 strikeouts from having 3,000 strikeouts. and if he could do that during his career he would join justin verlander as being the only two active players with 3,000 strikeouts right now. Right, because Verlander's got just over like a 3,006, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, and there's that. Grinky's not too much further behind. He's about, what, 70 strikeouts behind Scherzer. And Scherzer's about 30 wins away from hitting the 200 mark. The question is, he's been such a workhorse the last few years. Mm-hmm. And he pitched, I mean, he was, I, I would say he was one of the main reasons that the Nationals won the World Series last year, because not only because of his attitude and that, but he was out there. He was, he was their version of Oral Hershiser. He was their bulldog last season. Yeah, definitely. And he threw a lot of pitches. I think that Scherzer's in the Hall of Fame when his I career is up regardless of whether he hits those numbers. But from this standpoint, the lost season would be, once again, give his arm a break. Who knows what can happen? And we know with pitchers, sometimes having a a decent time off, having a little extra rest will work for you. And sometimes it completely throws you off and you never really recover. Pitchers are odd that way. So, yeah, I I, Scherzer first, I think, is there. I think Zach Grinke's another one who's coming up. He's over 200 wins. He's got 205 wins, like we said, about just over 2,600 strikeouts. So he can push the strikeouts. The wins, he's never going to get the 300. In fact, most of the pitchers that are out there now aren't going to see 300 wins. I think think right now the, the leader, the active leader, even though he's not uh, he's not playing anywhere, is Bartolo Colon mm-hmm. has 240 wins. So he's not gonna. These other guys that are down there around 200, especially at the in the age group of Verlander, Grinky, Scherzer is a little bit younger, but still, it's gonna take a lot for them to get there. And and a lot of times these players the 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 pitchers aren't able to throw enough innings. Right. Justin Verlander has said that he wants to pitch until he's 45. I don't know that that will happen. He seems Is to he be on the TB12 injured. diet. He might be, but he's on the injured. I mean, if there was an injured list, I guess he's probably still on it. I don't know. I haven't even looked, but he had that uh, groin injury. So 
Yeah, I, I think don't know every, if that if bodes well. IL before you're still on the IL until because everything's frozen anyway. You can't can't make any moves. Right. Yeah, because before it was they're on the IL till like May fifteenth. So it's kind of like the um, stay at home orders in each state. You know, <laughs> you <laughs> you're at home on the fifteenth of May. You're going to be at home until for us um, it's May thirty first. For you it's even longer until the 12th of never yeah that's right <laughs> you know we're looking at verlander scherzer grinky john lester from the cubs mm. he's yeah. 10 wins away from 200 he's still got about uh 645 um strikeouts until he gets to 3000 so that's a little ways off i think that He's probably in a good spot for the Hall of Fame. Maybe not the first, not a first balloter, but he's got some things. And his postseason, he's won in Boston, what, twice, and won in the Cubs. So he's got three World Series rings. It's another one of those things when you're trying to build your resume for the Hall of Fame, a lost season's not going to help, especially when you're towards the end of your career. So another odd fact that I kind of started down that rabbit hole is a teammate of John Lester, Anthony Rizzo. He has been hit by 145 pitches over his career, along with Shin Su Chu, who of the Texas Rangers, he has 150 uh, hit by pitches. So both of them could become top 20 all-time hit by pitches if they uh, surpassed Fernando Vina who was a former Cardinal and Brewer who's currently at, at number 19 with 157 hit by pitches in his career. So another dubious distinction. Rizzo might have the time to do that. I don't know about Chu. Chu's getting up there in uh, years in the league. Yeah, he'd only need to be hit eight times. <laughs> well, okay, but but in a short season, that might be a problem. He plays and... next season, maybe. And he doesn't play for the Astros. If he played for the Astros, I think he would be surpassed Record several. Breaking. Record breaking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who who is the leader all time of hit by pitches? Huey Jennings, two hundred and eighty seven. I think he just stood on the plate. He probably did, but Craig Biggio, two hundred eighty five. Tommy Tucker. Is number three at 272, and then Don Baylor at number four, 267. You don't have to search as much for hit-by-pitch leaders to find Hall of Famers nope. as you do when you do the, uh, the errors. Yeah, exactly. Those are interesting, and sure, for, for Rizzo, Rizzo's what, about 30? I, I, yeah, I think he's so around 30. He's probably got, he's probably got some more time to, to pursue that, you know, hit by pitch, uh, number as a milestone and, and other numbers, obviously, but that, yeah. and that's the one thing, you know, when you, when you're that far along in your <clears throat> career, that's what we're talking about, right? That yeah, missing a whole season, the younger guys, the guys who are in their twenties still while this could hurt them in the big picture of not being able to hit 40 home runs this season or or whatever they're shooting for, 
it's definitely not going to hurt their their batting average if they've done well. So that's a that's a silver lining, right? But it's going to be an issue when we were before we started. We were talking about Mike Trout, and I looked just to see he's got 285 home runs over a nine year career. For him to hit 700, he needs uh, another 415 home runs. Averaged out, say another nine season, he still has to hit. 50, 60 home runs. So a season and he's never hit 50 last year. He might have had he not gotten injured with his foot issue, but that's a lot of home runs. He's going to have to hit and missing a whole year could definitely impact if he wants to get to 700. Right. Yeah, definitely. And again, there's always those what ifs that we talked about. What if no season, but what if there's how many games will he actually play? If there is a season, he does have a baby boy that's due to arrive in August. So that will cut into that, you know, time um, right. that he's away. So yeah, there's a lot of different factors there. I do want to mention one more Joe Madden, who is now the angels manager. He could lead all managers with 300 managerial challenges he's currently at 267 (laughs) who's next who's second Rays manager kevin cash i guess challenges are a big thing in tampa yeah so it said if madden can hold cash off long enough to be he'd be the inaugural member of the 300 challenge club nice so well he's got time Sure, this missed season doesn't help him, but he's got time. Yep. So it Cash started managing in 2015, a year after replay was instituted, and he averaged 52.8 per 162 games. And Madden is was 45, 44.5. So we'll see who gets to be number one in that uh, category. I wonder if they get close if they start doing challenges just to do challenges. (laughs) They might. Just because they want to get that record. Yeah, and Joe Madden is, according to Baseball Reference, on his challenges, he's a little over 50% correct or, you know, wins the challenge. So he's got a good Uh, track record going into it. not, Not bad. So he's batting over 500. Yeah. So something for Angels fans to uh, look forward to. Another milestone you can track during the season. Not just your players, but your manager too. So every time he challenges, we'll know that's one more closer. And again, what would they do if he got to 300? Will they stop the game? Maybe give him one of the headsets. <laughs> yeah, maybe one of the headsets the umpires use. Yeah, or or they could um, start like a little trophy. It's not like uh, football where they throw challenge flag. If that was the case, they could do like a gold challenge flag for him or yeah. something like that. Yeah, then it'd be framed. <laughs> That'd be awesome. A few other players that are in the position of potentially being in the Hall of Fame or hitting a milestone. I think these guys are more 
towards Hall of Fame versus any of the big milestones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey Votto would be one yeah. who's towards the end of his career. He is about 16 home runs short of the 300 home run mark. So that would be something plus 944 RBIs now. So he could shoot for that thousand. Freddie Freeman of the Braves, another one that uh, he's he's only at 227 home runs. Strong batting average, solid player for all the years. He's one that missing a season could hurt his chances to be considered for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you look at uh, Nick Marquesis is another one, 3,000 hits. He's at 2,355, so that would put a dent. He's older guy too so and joey Votto is 404 doubles right now so you could close in on 500 500 right there's there's a lot of these guys the older guys are the guys you gotta you gotta look at like andrew mccutcheon he's close to a thousand rbis well he's just under 200 away from that but having having the issues with his injury issues in fact, he's a guy who probably at one point seemed like he was on the road to being a Hall of Famer and has had issues over the last couple of seasons that may have stopped him. Yeah. And this season could have been, like we talked about, there's a lot of players that are coming off of injury seasons or down years. This is the year that they needed going into the next couple of years where it's a contract year or going into free agency at the end of this season. One of the bigger questions of no season is how it affects players about to become free agents. We know based on the agreement between the league and the players, the players will get credit for the year, which has brought up questions about Mookie Betts, not ever really being a Dodger, among other players. It also brings up the question about how the free agency money will be affected. Yeah, the Dodgers going into next season have eight free agents. Mookie Betts, of course, tops that list. And then Justin Turner is another big name because he is, as we've said before, the face of the Dodgers. And then you have Kike Hernandez, Jock Peterson, who, again, is, you know, they're all of those guys are consistent, constant, you know, fan favorites. Blake Trinan, uh, Alex Wood, Pedro Baez, and Jimmy Nelson are the four that round that out now, for the Dodgers. Now, Jimmy Nelson... Jimmy Nelson is this coming year is an option year, even though I guess he's kind of a free agent at that point, but it's a club option. Yeah. So if Jimmy Nelson, if they don't pick it, see, that's one of those things where we talk about, does it hurt them? Because what if they look at everything and go, well, based on what we saw, because he's been injured. Right. And based on what we saw, or didn't see in spring training, then we're not going to pick up his option. That hurts him because he didn't ever get a chance to prove to the Dodgers that he could do anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think of all the guys on the list that he would be the one that would hurt the most because of the injury and then, you know, no season. You're right. 
you know, the Dodgers aren't going to be able to see what he has. And even his career previously to coming to the Dodgers wasn't, you know, a decent pitcher, but nothing that's stand out, I guess, right. as you would say. Blake Trinan's another one. Yeah. Just signed. He's coming off a bad year. Yeah. Injuries. We've seen what he can do in the past. Question is, could he have done it this season? Exactly. Does he follow up and have and a even a in a short season? season? Even in a short season, does it help some of these guys mm-hmm. who are only there for one year? Yeah. Um, Alex Wood, he came in, you know, he was with the Dodgers, was traded to Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, did not have a good year. Injuries there. He's coming back to the Dodgers. But the Dodgers know who he is. They know right. what he's capable of. Well, so and he earned a spot, right? He earned a Yes, a he's earned a spot. spot. We talked about that last week in regards to Ross Stripling. Alex yep. Wood had been announced as the fifth starter. Yep. Pedro Baez, as much as, you know, in years uh, past, it was like, oh, not Pedro. But now... Um, last season, even the season before, he's really coming to his own where he's not getting booed. He's, you know, he's been booed before at Dodger Stadium. Now he's he's really stepped it up. So he's another one I think um the Dodgers would probably re-sign. Right. I would I would ask that would be the question I'd ask Andrew Friedman is on on most of these guys, how do you not pursue them? You know what they can do. Who's out there that you think you can get? Because look, we saw with Joe Kelly, who had somewhat of a proven track record. And I know a lot of what they saw and probably got Friedman more interested in Joe Kelly was what they saw during the World Series and the playoffs. Right. Yeah. He had his moments. <laughs> yeah. Few but he did come in and play, you know, for at the beginning, it was like, oh my God, what? were they thinking (laughs) yeah and then it got where he was basically came in he did his job and he was done yeah with joe kelly coming to la after winning the world series with the red Sox, and a lot of times you know you kind of have those off years after you win the championships i'm not sure exactly why that happens but i wonder too if he was feeling extra pressure because he is a local kid. I mean, he's from Corona, but, um, you know, grew up in the area. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was really, it was, it was really bad at times cover your face when he was pitching. So, right. I mean, there were times when Yimmy Garcia actually looked better. (laughs) That's a huge, that's saying something too, but yeah, you're right about like Pedro Baez. That's one of those guys where it's like, you now know you've developed him. He's become a solid reliever that when he came in, you didn't go, oh. Yeah. Because no. I remember through the years, we'd be watching games and you would you would uh, text me, no, not Petey. Yeah, not Petey. Things PD. like that, you know. <laughs> and, and now it's not, you're, you're not holding your breath as much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's really coming around. The other guy is Jock Peterson. I think it would be interesting to see if the Dodgers do re-sign him only because they had traded him or 
were going to trade him to the Angels, which would have been a good landing spot for him. But he does have, you know, really good numbers. He has a 353 on base percentage and a 507 slugging percentage against righties. Against lefties, we know doesn't do well. Abysmal. It's like 572 OPS career against lefties. So it'd be interesting. Do they keep him or, you know, is there a team out there that's looking at him thinking, yeah, maybe um, he'd be a good fit. Maybe even the angels would look at him again. Yeah, that would, that would be dependent upon what happens with, uh, with Joe Adele. Right. So, yeah, you, I think we, we obviously know that, that the big question for the Dodgers with the free agents is going to be Mookie Betts. Yeah, and definitely. I don't think that for Mookie and really for Mookie, for Justin Turner, for Jock or Kike, and maybe even Pedro Baez, but I don't think any of those guys are hurt in free agency by an off season. No, they're not. I mean, you look at salaries too, and where these guys are. And, you know, Mookie Betts is going to command a large salary. I mean, he's like $27 million right now for his salary for the season. But these guys, I mean, Kike Hernandez signed a $5.9 million one-year contract. Jock Peterson went to arbitration, but $7 million. So when you're looking at those guys with the in that salary range, I agree with you. I I don't think it's going to hurt them going into free agency. Now, with Mookie Betts, a lost season, it could hurt. And also, because the lost season, the revenue isn't there. Are teams going to want to shell out a large amount of cash when we're looking at the revenue loss? That could be from anywhere from, I've heard, 2 to $4 billion for um, the owners are saying. Right. But that's total. That's across the board, not just <coughs> right. one no, team not or just... another. And the Dodgers, the Dodgers are a team that probably can afford more than, say, the Royals or the Brewers, the smaller right. market teams. They could probably let that go. That's where, but you're right. As far as like money goes, some of these guys who thought they were going to have a good season this year and go into free agency and get a decent raise that might not happen with Mookie Betts. I think it can happen that he may not see the 40 million a year that he was looking at. Yeah. But he can still see into the mid thirties maybe because we already know what he is and we know what they did to get him. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess in one way it's not as much of a lost. It's not like we paid him for a year and then he left. Because he's not going to make that much money yeah. until they actually play some games. And we don't know how all that's going to play out anyway. So with him on that, Justin Turner, I don't think it hurts him just because he wasn't going to get, what do you make? He makes around $20 million, I think, now I, per year. Yes, yep. He probably wasn't going to get signed for that much again based on his age, based on if he wants to stay with the Dodgers, they're probably going to say, yeah, we want to keep you, but at 10 or whatever. Right. And I think he probably realizes, hey, 
I need to, you know, accept that if I want to stay here. Yeah. And I think, again, I mean, I talk, we talk about it all the time, but with um, Justin Turner, he really is the face of the Dodgers on these, uh, the Zoom parties, you know, I just went to one on Monday with the Dodgers. Right. He is the constant player. I mean, you have, you know, it's kind of like the Hollywood stars um, right. seeing all the players there. But who's always in the middle? Justin Turner. He's right. the He's constant. He's been there for every single one of them. Yeah. So going forward, I can't see the Dodgers not offering him. And I, and, and I, you know, not as much. But I also can't see him not accepting that he would want to stay in the area. I, I believe he wants to stay in in L.A. He wants to be a Dodger, finish out his yeah. career as a Dodger. Yeah, um, I mean, he's 35. So, right. you know, he's he's getting up there. He's had injuries. He broke his wrist. You know, that was unfortunate. Still a good third baseman. He's showing showing a little bit of age in that corner, but still a fan favorite. And the other thing I'd say about Mookie Betts with the Dodgers is the Dodger fans. I, I feel like we've been through a lot. Like there's all these names that came up. I mean, hindsight, I was never on the Bryce Harper train to get him signed as a Dodger, but I know a lot of got you know, a lot of fans were like, we got to get Bryce Harper. And then when they do sign somebody, it's like, oh, you know, it's sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But it's like, I would hope that Andrew Friedman maybe sees that Mookie Betts is a good fit in LA and that the fans want to see that. You know, we want to see him play. Yeah, absolutely. We do. Now, the Angels don't have as many players of note. They don't have anybody that's coming in for one year. They signed Anthony Rendon to a longer-term contract, so it's not like a one-and-done type situation yeah. with him. The biggest name for the Angels is going to be Andrelton Simmons, and this is where we look at this lost season. He had a hard season last year, and he was starting to really become a much better hitter, a solid, consistent hitter. He gets injured takes him time to come back to get going. He has a down year, still a solid shortstop, still one of the best in the league, if not the best. Yeah. He makes $15 million a year having nothing to show for how a follow-up season would be. The question is, how does that affect him? Will the angels follow up with him? The angels have a couple of players, you know, they can play David Fletcher there. Luis Renjifo can slide into second base, let's say, because Tommy LaStella, another guy who ended up last season, had a uh, had a shortened season because he got injured right around the All-Star break, broke his leg, and he was going to All-Star. He's going to be done, too. So who knows how this will, you know, no season will affect him. It's, it's going to be hard for both of them. And it'll be tough on the Angels to decide, especially seeing who else might be out there. There are two players that the Angels have that were signed for one-year deals that conceivably wouldn't be back next season. That would be Jason Castro and Julio Tehran. Yeah. Those guys are both veterans. We needed, you know, a veteran catcher. I believe, you know, there's other catchers that are coming up that might be 
people they would uh, pursue uh, as free agents. Will they follow up and try to re-sign Jason Castro? Will they, you know, go after like uh, Wilson Ramos if the Mets don't pick up his option? Julio Teron's another one that he's about 30. He's been solid innings eater. Could have been a good anchor for for this team, especially with some younger pitchers. Well, and I'm thinking of Andrelton Simmons. He is one of three of the notable free agents at the shortstop position. So if the Angels were looking, you know, they could look at trades, obviously, but if they were looking at another free agent, it doesn't make sense for them to look when they have out of the three there, the best one. Right. Yeah, unless they're going to trade for Francisco Lindor, I don't I don't see that there's a reason for them to not. Yeah. So, you know, the, that's the question. What will no season, what will the effect be? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, when you look at the Angels, you know, like you said, there aren't as many. But then if you look outside of the Dodgers and the Angels, you do look at, you know, Francisco Lindor. Also, another guy that's a shortstop, I didn't even think about this, was uh, Didi Gregorius, who he signed a one-year deal with the Phillies. And, I mean, he was having awesome year. I mean, he was just killing it. And then he had Tommy John surgery and that right. really, I think going into free agency right now, he's got, you know, $14 million deal for one year. It's very possible. He may have to do another one year deal because the recovery from Tommy John and, you know, a lot of it's, you know, you're taking a risk there to see, you know, does he catch fire again? Because he was he was on a tear. He's one of those guys who will benefit from this long layoff as far as recovering. Yeah, definitely. You talk about the Phillies, Real Muto. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is is going to be a free agent as well. And while he had a decent season last last year, that's a question. Are they going to be happy to get rid of his his contract, or are they going to want to bring him back? And then that puts him in a spot. If the Angels don't re-sign Jason Castro, they could pursue. Yeah, they could pursue him. That would, you know, that could work. Yeah, there's but, there's a few guys out there on on these different teams that you're you wonder about whether they signed a one year deal, depending on what team they went to, what type of player, you know, what kind of year they had the last year that they played. How will that affect them going forward? Matt Kemp well, with Miami. Yeah, is a, is a good example. Didn't really play last year. Had injury issues. Got released. Ends up in in Miami. Uh, he's not even on their forty man roster right now. Yeah, last season definitely hurts him because does he even get signed? Is he you know looking for an invitation to spring training or does he hang it up? Another one, a starting pitcher on a one year deal. Trevor Bauer. Hear a lot about him. He's always out there. He was with the Reds. Now he has said that he only wants one-year contracts. Problem is that it only works if 
the teams value one year of Bauer as much as he thinks they do. Because with the Reds, he had a 6.39 ERA over 56 and a third innings. And no team is really, I think, going to be clamoring to get Bauer on the mound. I mean, maybe, but think, yeah, we can do something with him. But he's, you know, last season, over 213 innings, he has a 4.48 ERA. It's not stellar. And maybe that's why he wants to do the one-year contracts. I don't know. I would think that he'd want to look at longer for the security of it all. Maybe he feels like he'll have a great year and he can move on to something. Maybe he just wants to play with a bunch of different teams. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, maybe he does want to just go from team to team, be able to, you know, play here, play there. But that's a gamble. You know, every year, you know, you have a great year. And then maybe, you know, does he sign the multi-year or does he just say, nope, I'm going to do one year. And then that year, you, you know, is bad. So I don't know. I don't think I'd want to take that gamble. Not, you know, as a pitcher, especially. And, the, and then the question, too, would be he's been pretty outspoken on a few things lately. If you find him on Twitter, he's he's usually got some some tweets about he was, you know, big. What is it? Bauer outage. Yeah, at Bauer outage on Twitter. He's got a lot of things that he said about the Astros. He's been open and honest about, you know, this season, you know, how it all will work out regarding uh, health issues with the coronavirus stuff. So is that something that a team would say, yeah, we absolutely still want him because he's a good pitcher. They're going to go, I don't know if I want that in my clubhouse. Yeah. That's a good point because he does bring he does bring that to the team and and of course I mean the um, atmosphere in the clubhouse is huge for ball clubs because the n- amount of games you play the amount of time you're with these you know your teammates and if you've got one guy that is rubs people the wrong way it really does make a difference in that clubhouse and he not shy and he's unapologetic about um, what he says and um, you know, more power to him, but it could hurt, hurt him in the long run when it comes down to signing with certain teams, especially. Right. Well, I can be pretty sure he's not going to sign with the Astros. <laughs> I'm pretty sure too. Another, you know, an Astro that's going to be a free agent is George Springer. And this, a uh, question is, you know, with the scandal, you know, with the Astros, him being a part of it, um, and then he had injuries. How's that going to affect his free agency? No. I think the Astros, the Astros will re-sign him. I think so, too. You also have Jackie Bradley Jr., who's going right. to be a free agent. Another name, DJ LeMahieu, he played with the Rockies, and he was a solid, good player for them. And then he plays for the Yankees now. And I was really surprised that the Rockies let him go because he was a leader on that team. It didn't seem to bode well for the Rockies when they did that. I think they lost some of that with that consistency in their infield. But he's done really well in New York. So he's another one that will – was his season – 
last, you know, last season, was it solid enough for him to go into free agency on good footing if there isn't a season? Right. Yeah. That's the, that's the question. I think, I think DJ LeMahieu is, is probably fine just because you're right with the Yankees. He had a solid season. And I think that's going to be, you know, the question, what's the last thing that we know about this player was solid a year off. Everybody's going to be rusty. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of players who are on that, on that line, that fence will get the benefit of the doubt if they had a good season before. (laughs) Well, I think Howie Kendrick fits into that category. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he definitely he does. Had, it was awesome. I love Howie. If he was back at Dodger, he could be on the Angels. I he think was. the Nationals probably, yeah. You know, the Nationals probably would, would hold on to him because he's just that type of player. He's really likable, but he's scrappy. He saw that in the World Series and he just had the moments. Which right. I was really, um, I was excited for him because he's, you know, he's gonna, he's been a journeyman player for most of his career. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of players out there that are coming up after the end of this year that'll be free agents. The question that I have coming up, uh, it's maybe not this year, next year. Nolan Arenado has a team option or a mm-hmm. player option. Do you wait and watch for that and go try to get him to opt out and? Well, I think it, it's a good chance that he might. The rumblings from Denver can be heard <laughs> south, down south where I live. So he has not made, he's not been quiet about not being happy with the direction that the Rockies are going. I mean, he wants to be on a championship team and... The Rockies have made some moves that just aren't going to get them there. Well, like you said, DJ LeMahieu gone. Yeah. Trevor Huge. Story. Yes. Gone. Yeah. And then when he comes up with his player option, Charlie Blackman is up and is a free agent as well. Now, I foresee Charlie Blackman re-signing. I think just, so, too. That's a couple of years off now. Yeah. And Charlie, we'll see. Yeah. And Charlie Blackman, he is... I think, you know, we talk about Justin Turner being the face of the Dodgers. I think Charlie Blackman, um, as much as, you know, you have, you know, Nolan Arenado there. I think Charlie Blackman actually fits into that role for the Rockies. um, Because if you go to a Rockies game, if you're at Coors Field, his walk-up music comes on and people go wild. They love him and he loves playing there. So I think he stays um, with the Rockies. Yeah, I don't I don't see that that change. And I wonder though, when we start seeing it once again, all predicated on no season, that next year, where do the teams go as far as signing those down the roster guys? The 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 utility guys. Do people like uh, do players like Cameron Maybin from Detroit who will be a free agent He's been with a bunch of different teams. He is, you know, a journeyman as well. Yeah. Do they say, look, here's a guy we know what he can do and we can get him relatively inexpensively. Do we want to get that guy to be a solid presence on the team? Do we go around the same money and get someone who's maybe less proven and build from there? So are there going to be guys who are the younger players who are going to be out of luck or will they be older players? 
who are out of luck. You mentioned Houston and George Springer. Josh Reddick and Yuli Gurriel are both coming up, and they're both older guys. Will they get picked up by someone? Uh, especially Josh Reddick, who you know has proven to be an ass. <laughs> yeah, uh, quite. I often. was gonna. I was gonna say, I don't think just the way he is. Why would anybody want to sign him? If he wants to, he stays with the Astros. That's the perfect fit for him because, yeah, you're right. He has proven himself to just be a jerk 100%. I didn't like him when he played with the Dodgers. You know, you try, like, you know, root him on, and there's just something about him. And then we find out what it is. Um, he, he, he put it all out there. It's like, now I know I couldn't put my finger on it, but now I know. So with players that are out there that we know are the veterans that are available, they've all signed one year contracts or they're coming to the end of a contract. Pitchers like Rich Hill went to Minnesota, signed a one year deal. If he doesn't pitch, are they still going to look at whether they want to pick him up another year? Or are they going to say, okay, it's just. It's not worth it. Yeah, and he's injured. Right. He was on the injured list, I guess. You know, like you said, he still is. So, yeah, do they keep him around? Another picture that I saw that I was, I, I questioned, uh, Toronto, uh, Matt Shoemaker, who was a longtime angel. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of injuries. And I don't know if you remember, a few years back, he took a ball off of his head, fractured his skull. Yes. And he's been, he's one of those pitchers, like a lot of angels pitchers, flashes of greatness. And then he gets injured, usually pretty severely. And now he's in Toronto, had another injury while he was in Toronto, a free agent after the end of the year. Does having a whole season off help him? Is he just injury prone? And you're going to look at his past career and say, okay, let's not let's not bother with him or are you going to keep giving him shots until he gets a full season out of it and see what he can do. I kind of feel like in his case, things may be over, but I, I like any of them, I want all of these guys to succeed. So except for Josh Reddick. Yeah. And any yeah. other, any other members of the uh, Houston Astros. Exactly. I'm right there with you. You know, another one is uh, Giannis Cespedes of the Mets. Uh He's going to be a free agent. He's going to be 35 in October. He missed all of last season. Could miss this season. He's played 119 games total since signing a uh, four-year $10 million uh, deal after the 2016 2016 season so for him going into free agency huge what if for him because nobody's seen him if there's no season this year it's two years of him not playing yeah I don't I don't think he's going to end up back in with the Mets just simply because he's he's not played it's almost like John Carlos Stanton over with the Yankees oh yeah he's got a player option this year. So Mm -hmm. he very well could leave the Yankees if he wants to. I don't, I, I don't see him doing it because he's not got anything to go. I mean, still, everybody's still waiting for him to come back. They, he still has his Miami days 
uh, are still are still fresh enough to give him something to work with. I don't see him going as a free agent and and uh, not taking his player option. And Cespedes, I think, will be out there in on the open market. He's not even played a whole season over the four that he's been there. Right. Exactly. There's also Marcus Simeon from the A's, who's a shortstop. Last year, he had a breakout season and a season that he's never had before. He was third in the MVP voting for the um, American League. He hit 33 home runs with a 138 OPS, and he posted an 8.9 war, which is more than every other player except Alex Bregman and Cody Bellinger. If he doesn't play this season and they just look at last season, then he should be okay. But do they look at the whole body of work and see mediocre, mediocre, wow, breakout season, no season? Was it a fluke season? All those questions, where's he going to land in free agency? I think, too, when you're looking at this class of free agents, yeah, there's some big names in there, names that you know, or proven, you know, they've done well, but it's not, I guess, the spectacular, you know, sometimes you have that one class of free agents and it's just the hitting power or, you know, whatever it may be, the starting pitchers and they just really stand out. And this season, I don't, not so much, but going into uh, 20, 21, 22 um, season, that's where you really see those power players because you've got, you know, like Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo, Nolan Arenado, who has an opt out, like you said, uh, Corey Seager, Francisco Lindor, Noah Syndergaard. I think that too should be part of a conversation is looking at this class of free agents going into next season and then to see who's on the horizon. You know, do they have their eye on somebody? They get them before that. Or do they wait? Right. And that's what I was wondering, you know, with that that thought about do they take players, the older players that they can get as a bargain or the younger players at a bargain and let those guys in the middle kind of stew there, re-sign for a year at their, you know, where they're at or whatever in the chance that they're going to be able to grab one of those guys. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I mean, because you even have, looking at shortstop, you have... Francisco Lindor, Javier Baez, Carlos oh, Correa, yeah. Corey Seager, and Trevor Story. Just, That's a pretty strong class of shortstop. Yeah, it would. It's inter- It would be interesting to see what happens and how it all works out. Staying at home during the pandemic has been good for delivery services, Amazon, and other similar enterprises. It's also been good for items on eBay, like sports memorabilia. Yeah, people have more time to go and look through their closet, see what's in there. And a lot of people are pulling out their old baseball cards, finding out, you know, what's it worth? I uh, found a 1986 Topps Tommy Lasorda card, and it's worth $1.50. That's, that's something. That's a- 
that's a tragedy. It that is. should be worth a lot more than that. It's Tommy Lasorda. It, I know. I was disappointed to see that it was only a dollar fifty. Now should I wonder because you said more. that's a 1986 card. Yeah. I wonder if in '81 or '88 when they won the World Series, if those cards are worth more. Probably. I would think maybe they probably are. Yeah, '86 season was not memorable. What else did you find? Uh, Steve Garvey, uh, 1977 Topps card. So depending on the quality, it could be either worth $4 or $750. I'm pretty sure I have that card. Pretty sure that mine's probably more close to the $4. Even though I would have taken <laughs> care of it, it's just set there. It's not been in protective covering or anything. Right. It's just been in a box. Well, and it was interesting too. I was looking at Nolan Ryan and his 1968 Nolan Ryan Tops rookie card. Now this is on eBay, but it's twenty five thousand dollar plus for wow. his uh, rookie card. Now another thing that's interesting is you could get Nolan Ryan cards on Twinkie boxes. Right. Yeah. There was a. I may have a, a Nolan Ryan Twinkie. I may even have. I think one that I remember just as I was saying it. I could remember the bottom of the box. It was like Lee Lacy when he was with the Dodgers. Don't know. Don't ask me why I remember that specific <laughs> one, but they had them all. Steve Carlton was on there. Pete Rose, grandpa, when he was going to work every day, he'd make his lunch and they'd buy a box of Twinkies or ding dongs or something. And they'd have them on the bottom. So when they were finished with the box, he more than grandma and grandma was always the one that would do this stuff. He would cut those cards out and give them to me whenever, whenever I showed up. Cause we didn't get that stuff at our house. Only grandpa no. got those things. That's right. We didn't we didn't get the Twinkies. All the good stuff was at Grandma and Grandpa's. The good uh, magazines, like the National Enquirer, all that the stuff. Globe. The Globe that we got to read. That's what I say is I learned how to read at Grandma and Grandpa's because I got to read the National Enquirer. Doesn't matter what you're reading, just that you're reading, right? That's exactly right. Going back at looking at um, baseball cards... The most expensive baseball card that sold at auction was a 1909 T206 Honus Wagner card, and it was um, sold at auction in 2016 for $3.12 million. Wow. That's not bad for a guy who had 828 errors in his career. <laughs> That'll do it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Remember, you can find us on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at SiblingRivalryBB. As well as Twitter at SiblingRivalryBB without the A. We'd love to hear what you think. Email us, show at SiblingRivalryBB.com. Don't forget, subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to our podcast. Join us next week as we share another harebrained idea. And it's a real doozy. And we talk about which player we'd like to see run over by a bus. No, it's not Josh Fields.